All Elite Wrestling made its All Elite debut May 25th, 2019. MGM Grand Garden Arena, Las Vegas, Nevada, and live worldwide on pay-per-view. And oh my goodness gracious, did they make an impact. What's up, folks? Fred Ricciani, TSC, your home for pro wrestling news updates, reviews, and everything in between. If you're new here, we'd appreciate you subscribing and sharing this post. Wow. I'm here to recap AEW Double or Nothing, the inaugural pay-per-view from top to bottom. I'm also here to take some of your questions live on the air. We just witnessed John Moxley, a.k.a. Dean Ambrose, debut officially. Right after the Chris Jericho-Kenny Omega match, took out Jericho, took out Omega. They needed a Lex Luger. By God, they got a Lex Luger. Okay, for those that don't know, back in the day, the very first Monday Nitro for WCW, it was shots fired because people thought, oh, well, Lex Luger's going to stay with WWE. But he didn't have a working agreement. He had a working agreement. He didn't have a written agreement with them. Bam, showed up out of the blue on Monday. Now, we heard rumors for months that, well, Dean Ambrose is officially leaving WWE, and he did. Oh, Dean Ambrose is eventually going to come back to WWE. He didn't. Oh, he's going to take a hiatus. Oh, he's doing a movie. Oh, he's doing this. Oh, he's doing that. But no, no, no. Dean Ambrose might be dead. Actually, he is dead. But John Moxley is alive and well. And I got to say, there were some snafus here and there. But overall, I think that AEW hit a home run. They did not throw the perfect game. It was not a no-hitter. But... They hit a home run, and I'm going to tell you why. Wow. Wow. Now, I'm not going to lie, folks. I'm not going to lie. When I, I ordered this pay-per-view, gladly ordered this pay-per-view. And, uh, well, at the beginning, I, w- I was a little weary after I ordered it because I watched the pre-show. The pre-show was, it was the buy-in show. It was available on BR Live for free, uh, TNT's YouTube channel. But... We had some snafus. Uh, a lot of people couldn't find it on the All Elite Wrestling channel. It looks like they hadn't uh, streamed it live there. Uh, you couldn't find it on, on Facebook. It was kind of difficult to find it there. But have no fear. The, the links eventually got up. And I was like, okay, you know what? Let's watch this Battle Royale. So uh, I'm excited. I'm getting ready to watch the, this Battle Royale. I'm all, I'm all pumped up. I got goosebumps because this is going to decide one half of the AEW World Title match and uh well put it this way it did not feel like a number one contenders match and i'm gonna start with the bad because after this battle royal things got a lot better but initially i I thought to myself you know what this this show is really catering to the audience that all elite wrestling the young bucks the elite already have as opposed to people that may be on the fence about buying the show and it kind of had a, had a bitter taste in my mouth a little bit. So let me get to the Battle Royal, and I'll just talk about it a little bit. So we had uh, the Battle Royal. It was kind of some confusing rules. I guess, you know, different decks of cards and everything. So you, you start out with uh, groups, of, groups of five. Or I guess groups of five. Yeah, groups of five. And then you had one more person who was uh, like the Joker, the, the surprise. So we had four open slots here. Uh, we had MJF, Maxwell, Jacob Friedman, who was one of the great rising stars in, in pro wrestling today. Uh, Sunny Days, Michael Nakazawa, and Brandon Cutler, and Dustin Thomas kicked things off, followed by Isaiah Cassidy, Jimmy Havoc, Joey Janela, my main man from Asbury Park, New Jersey, not too far from here, Brian Pillman Jr., who had a sweet mullet, and Sean Spears, a.k.a. the Perfect Ten, Ty Dillinger. We also had Billy Gunn, a.k.a. Mr. Ass, Jungle Boy, who's a, a really talented young performer who's rising up the ranks, also the son of the uh, late, great Luke Perry, rest in peace, Ace Romero, Mark Quinn, and my friend Ray Lloyd, a.k.a. Glacier, who's one of the nicest people you will ever meet in wrestling. If you ever see him at an indie show, go say hi to him. Just a, just a very nice man. And then we had the last group, which had uh, Marco Stunt, Sonny Kiss, who's from New Jersey and has performed a lot of Jersey indies, so shout out to him, Tommy Dreamer, Orange Cassidy, who was actually a surprise, and Luchasaurus, who I wasn't familiar with, who was this big-ass dude with a, a weird lucha mask and tattoos, you know, white guy, and at least he looked white, <laughs> and, and just destroyed, just, just destroying people. And the Joker, 
was Hangman Adam Page, who was selling his leg after an angle he did with Neville, a.k.a. Pac. Just to brush you guys up on, on what happened recently, Pac was scheduled to wrestle Hangman Adam Page. It was one of the highly anticipated matches of this card. Due to reportedly a creative issue, uh, N- Pac did not make the show, and they did like a disqualification finish uh, on a, another show in, in the UK, and that led to Hangman Adam Page not having a match, leading to him being in this battle royal. Personally, I, I think it's. Co- I'm, I'm sure there were some creative differences because Pac currently is a Dragon Gate champion, and I'm sure Dragon Gate doesn't want him to lose. And on top of that, I think you know maybe just maybe there might have been a visa issue or two, just because a couple months back at WrestleCon, you know, Pac uh, was supposed to wrestle and, and he had a visa issue and couldn't come to this country, so that may be it too. But uh, either either way, either way, the right guy won at the end. It was Hangman Adam Page. Uh, but all throughout this match was just kind of a mess. A lot of comedy, a lot of guys that most people aren't familiar with. Uh, this worked for the crowd, who was very, very familiar with everybody here, or, or most people here. I think this worked for the people that watch Being the Elite every week on, on YouTube and, and follow the Indies and read The Observer and everything else. But this match was just all over the place for me. I mean, really, really all over the place. And uh, you know, Excalibur at first sounded a bit nervous. Uh, the, you know, the, the mass wrestler was on commentary. He was an accomplished uh, performer. And Alex Marvez was like a few octaves uh, you know, lower than everybody else. So it was just, just kind of all over the place. I mean, the, you, know, you couldn't focus uh, on one thing. I mean, Jimmy Havoc stapled freaking Joey Janela's head. And I, I think the camera missed that spot because there was so much going on. Um, I believe the, the, the non-legged wrestler, his name is Dustin Thomas, he had a great show in, uh, while he lasted. I mean, he was he was freaking awesome. Uh, he actually, I think he actually eliminated who did he eliminate? He eliminated Sean Spears. He was really he was really freaking good. He eliminated Sean Spears, and that and that, and that was pretty cool. And then he was immediately eliminated by MGF. That was probably the coolest moment for me to see because it's just like, you know, here's Dustin Thomas, a guy who was dealt a bad hand in life and gets this opportunity to showcase his skills. Freaking awesome. So anyway, let's fast forward. The final four were Luchasaurus, Ang- Hangman Page, Jimmy Havoc, and MJF. Hangman Adam Page eliminated Luchasaurus, thought he won, but MJF snuck up from behind, almost eliminated Page, but Page ended up eliminating him. And yeah, I mean, the the final moments were pretty good. You know, the, the, there were nice uh, surprises like Sean Spears and Tommy Dreamer and everything else. But if you're a first-time viewer of this product and you're familiar with some of the indie guys, but you don't really watch, you know, being the elite and you don't go to your local indie or follow PWG or even watch like MLW or anything. I mean, you were probably really confused. And I, I personally think that one, they could have booked this better because the all in battle Royal was booked better. I, I think as far as just flowing wise. And, and two, I just feel like the, this match, which was like a half hour would have been better served, you know, maybe being a singles match, maybe being a little bit shorter uh, maybe not having as many things going on. Maybe not having as many random characters, I think, you know, cause it was like, Hey, there's Tommy dreamer. Hey, there's this guy. Hey, there's Luchasaurus who nobody knows who the hell that guy is. I mean, you, you want to have uh, enough time to tell the stories of these people. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I think the pre-show in the future should be saved for, like, you know, personality profiles and, st- and stuff like that. You know, a couple matches, singles tag team matches, but some personality profiles to get fans hooked. Now, as my good friend Tom Green uh, stated on Twitter, at the end of the day, this is kind of like a dress rehearsal for what they're, they have going on in the fall. Because in the fall, they're going to be debuting a two-hour weekly TV show on TNT, which is one of the top cable networks in the States. And I believe they're going to be on ITV4 in the UK. Somebody that's watching from Europe now hopefully can correct me on that one if I'm wrong. But uh, they got time to get it right. But that being said, I was thinking while watching this free pre-show, you want people to pay 50 bucks, and this is what you're giving them. It was a little all over the place. Just, just, just saying we had Kip Sabian versus Sammy Guevara. Uh, this was a, a pretty good match here. Uh, Sammy, Kip Sabian got the win over Guevara. Uh, nice, nice showcase for these guys. But again, it was kind of just two dudes doing moves. The, what helped this match in the Battle Royal, though, I'll, I'll say this, it was a crowd. Crowd was great all freaking night. And Excalibur is an awesome commentator. You know, seemed a little nervous at the beginning and found his groove and he, he did a great job of not only explaining the different moves and everything, but telling the stories of each of these guys. Cause you know, you know, let's face it. We're watching these guys and girls for the first time. Well, a lot of us are anyway. I know I am. So I thought he did a really good job here and all throughout the night. So then we had the, the bucks, Cody Rhodes, Brandy Rhodes, Kenny Omega all come out to the ring or come out to the ramp. And they presented the people that were singing the national anthem. They hyped this all up. 
had a nice uh, national anthem. And then we opened our pay-per-view. We had SoCal Uncensored SCU defeating the Strong Hearts. And uh, this was a, a pretty fun match here, a good opener. Uh, we had the guys, Shima and the crew from OWE, doing their damn thing. And I, I really I really did like this match. It was a perfectly fine opener. Uh, everybody shined here. Scorpio Sky was, was freaking awesome. I thought he was actually the the MVP of the match. But it was SoCal Uncensored who ended up getting the win over Strong Hearts, Shima, T-Hawk, and L. Lindemann. And it was Kazarian and Daniels hitting the best Meltzer driver ever on Lindemann. And they picked up the win. Next match was Britt Baker versus Nyla Rose versus Kylie Ray. Originally set to be a triple threat match. Brandy Rhodes came out in wrestling gear. And everybody thought, okay, Brandy Rhodes is going to insert herself into this match. But no. Brandy says, we need to make this match awesome. And I was like, who, who would be awesome here? She inserts awesome freaking Kong, a.k.a. Kaya Stevens of Glow fame, a.k.a. women's wrestling legend, impact wrestling legend, a.k.a. the woman who was briefly Karma and Day to be as well. One of the few women to ever enter in the Royal Rumble. She was awesome here. She looked great, and I know she's had back issues in the past and other personal issues in the past, but I'm so happy for her success outside of the ring, and I was so happy that she was in an awesome match, no pun intended, in the ring tonight. And now her and I are both mentees of Dutch Mantel, a.k.a. Zeb Coulter, and Dutch has always spoken very highly of her, and it's just it's, it's, nice, it's nice to see her doing well. Very nice to see her doing well. But she did not get the win here. Uh, Britt Baker, a real-life dentist, Dr. Britt Baker, got the win on uh, Kylie Ray, hit, hitting uh, Kylie Ray uh, with a super kick, and I believe Oshi Garoshi for the win. Kylie Ray really impressed me in this match. When I just saw like vignettes of her and everything, she came off as a really nice person. You know, this kind of nerdy girl, kind of across a little bit between like Dakota Kai and Bailey for people that are unfamiliar with her. And I, I gotta say, like, I'm not gonna call she's not a Bailey ripoff by any means. She's she's her own person, but she has like that very similar to the original Bailey character. She has that like genuine like niceness that makes you want to just like like her. Like, it's impossible not, not to like her. You know what I mean? And she did great in this match. That's just from like a charisma standpoint and, and presence, but just everything she did looked crisp. And yeah, all the, all these women brought it. And you know, Nyla Rose was was a powerhouse and looked badass. I thought this was a great great showcase for everybody. I will say this: I have a lot of respect for Jim Ross, but I do feel like in this match when he was commentating, he was walking on eggshells because he was trying to say that Awesome Kong and Nyla Rose are two you know big, strong, powerful women, which they are. But then like, I, I felt like he also was trying not to offend anybody and not say the wrong thing. And by trying not to say the wrong thing, he almost ended up saying the wrong thing or at times said the wrong thing. So I was just like, damn, all right. Like, at some point, you got you to gotta pick a side. Like Either just you know call the match like straight and let people interpret what they want to interpret or you know maybe, maybe tone it down. I don't know. That was a little all over the place. But again, Excalibur did a great job. I don't want to crap too much in Alex Marvez because... He is a tremendous football journalist, a football writer, was, uh, I think, the head of the Pro Football Writers Association of America, which decides who gets into the Hall of Fame, other than wanting to maybe personally slap some of his members for taking three years to induct Terrell Owens in the Hall of Fame, a man T.O. Um, I, I, I do have a lot of respect for his work, and he did work in the past for Wrestling Observer. That being said, being on commentary is a different animal, and I ain't saying that I could do some commentary, because that's a hard-ass job, and I've done it before, and it's, it's not easy. But, but... I don't know if it was the volume in his mic. I don't know if he was just nervous. I don't know if it was a combination of of, of the two, of all of the above. But like, uh, I'll give you an example. And Doctor, okay, so so Excalibur and Doctor Britt Baker with the super kick. Jr. Oh my God, Nala Rose, just just running over Awesome Kong. Let's go to Alex Marvez and uh, Kylie Ray uh, now going for a German suplex. And uh, yeah, I heard she's like a really nice person. And uh, Britt Baker's a dentist and. Uh, you know, she once checked my teeth, and uh, it was really good. And uh, yeah, I, w I once gave, uh, I once sold uh, some Girl Scout cookies on behalf of my daughter, and uh, made five bucks. Like it, it just, it was night and day bet between Marvez and and Excalibur and, and Jim Ross. It really was. And yeah, Jim Ross stumbled a bit. Okay, there's times where he actually lost. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, but I, I think that I don't know. I I just think he needs to step it up next time. Okay. And again, it might just be his mic levels. I I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but Britt Baker got the win here. This was an awesome match. And, and by the way, this is something pointed out about the production, like the, the broad, like, like Jim Ross being lost for a second and 
uh, you know, these guys look, looking down at, while on camera and stuff like that. That's stuff that can be fixed. This is the first show. The fact that this is the first show, and like that's like the worst of the show. That's other than the, you know the battle royal. That, that's that's a pretty good thing. There's a lot of room for improvement here, and uh, you know, as I'll continue to go throughout the show, you'll see why they eventually hit a home run. So we had the best friends Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta, and a really fun tag team match defeat in Helico and Jack Evans. Really happy to see Jack Evans here get this big spotlight. He's been an underrated talent on the Independence and Lucha Libre for a long, long time. And I thought these guys really shined. And I'm not going to lie, I'm not a, not a huge you know, Chuck E.T. guy, Chuck Taylor guy. He, he just has never really done it for me. It's nothing personal. I thought Beretta looked really good. Uh, you know, For a brief period, he was a, a single star in New Japan, especially in that match against Kenny Omega for the U.S. title. Uh, but, you know, I mean, let's face it. They're two guys that haven't really broken out of the pack in the past. And I thought they did a real good job here along with Angelico and Jack Evans of, you know, putting themselves out there, showcasing all their stuff. Best friends uh, ended up getting the win and with, with, with the uh, crusher stomp combo. And uh, they got a huge pop when they gave each other a hug. So their gimmick is clearly over with the people in attendance and a lot of people that are familiar with their stuff. And afterwards, a team known as the Super Smash Brothers, and part of my ignorance, if I'm not familiar with them, apparently they, they compete a lot in Chikara, came out. Uh, there was one dude that looked like the main character of God of War, so that was cool. There was another guy in a mask that looked like Golga's son from the Oddities. I think that's a compliment. And then there were a bunch of dudes that looked like druids that were related to Delirious from Ring of Honor. And they just kind of, you know, instead of aces and eights, they looked like eight, just the aces. Or maybe, maybe they, you know what? They look like the eights. The, the Aces ate the eights, essentially. And, uh, yeah, they came out. They beat up on all these teams. And, and they posed. And crowd was saying, who are you? Their finisher looked cool. The double team finisher did look cool. So I'm going to give them a chance. It was just, yeah, I'm not familiar with them. But judging by the enthusiasm by some people on my timeline, especially my main man, Zach McGibbon, who, who follows them very closely, uh, I'd like to think that they are talented guys. And, you know, they'll definitely have some opportunities to showcase that. There were rumors going around on the Twitter machine that the women's six-woman tag was canceled, which pissed me off because while I'm not a guy that avidly follows Joshi and Japanese women's wrestling and stardom and all that jazz, I do keep up with it here and there, and I do read The Observer. And, you know, if, if somebody tells me, hey, check out this person, check out that person, uh, I will do that. But other than the legendary Aja Kong in this match, I wasn't familiar uh, with anybody here. So I was hoping that this match was still on, and thankfully it was and we had Hakuru Shida, Riho, and Ryu Mizunami defeat Aja Kong, Yuka Sakazaki, and Emi Sakura in an awesome, awesome match. I really enjoyed this match. I actually thought the two women's matches were the best matches up to this point. And what I loved about both the women's matches is that they weren't treated as afterthoughts. It wasn't one of those things where it's just like, look, it's all it, this is historic, and this is the first time ever that it's a fatal four-way that takes place in Las Vegas and has a set and has pirate. Like, you know I mean, like Michael Cole and all these guys are trying to beat your head over it. Like, oh my god, this is historic. Look, we're allowing women to wrestle. Whoop de freaking do. It's just you know what I mean? They, it, it's it's too much. It's too much. At some point, just let them be great athletes, just treat them like the men, and just let them kick ass. And then both instances here, they absolutely did. And there was a great non-finish uh, where Asha Kong thought she got the win, thought she got the pinfall, and the ref counted, the music hit, the bell rang, but it was two. It was two. And then uh, and then she actually ended up getting the win. Actually, no, I'm sorry, not not um, Asha Kong. I think it was Sheeta who who got the win, who almost got the win. So Sheeta almost got the win for Kong's team, and that and then okay, no, Sheeta did get the win. I'm sorry. So yeah, there you go. She she got the win. I'll I'll eventually get them all all right. But it was just a hell hell of a match. I was very impressed, and it's it definitely makes me want to seek out uh, the matches of five of these six women again. I'm, I'm familiar with Asha Kong, but I definitely want to seek out the the these other women because they brought it tonight. But yeah. Overall, awesome match. We then had, maybe, just maybe, and I, I think this was, the match of the night, maybe, just maybe, the match of the year. And I know that's saying a lot, okay, because I, I was there live for Kazushiko Okada versus Jay White, and that was one of the best matches I've ever seen live. And, you know, I know New Japan's had a lot of great matches. I'm sure there's been great matches all around the world and dependence. And, I mean, NXT had, you know, the great Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano match. So I, I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment here, but this is definitely one of the best matches of the year. 
and a match that I think 10 years from now will hold up. And that is Cody Rhodes versus Dustin Rhodes. Rhodes versus Rhodes, brother versus brother. And no disrespect to the guys that do high flying and moonsaults and stuff like that, because I love that stuff too. When done right. But uh, when I got to this point in the show, I just wanted a damn story. And I think the fans did too. And Cody Rhodes and Dustin Rhodes told a story. So Cody Rhodes comes out, has like this cape. He's dressed like royalty. There's a throne. For whatever reason, he doesn't sit on the throne. And then he decide he he just he pauses before he gets in the ring. Brandy hands him a sledgehammer. Now, for those that watched uh, the recent Game of Thrones, you'll recognize this scene. Although this wasn't just a a callback to Game of Thrones. This was a sledgehammer shot to the ego of Triple H. Cody Rhodes walked up to the throne, took that sledgehammer, and smashed the hell out of that throne, which magically exploded because, you know, of course that happens in real life. And the crowd popped huge. That was fantastic symbolism. So Dustin Rhodes comes out with half his uh, face painted red. These guys brawl, uh, you know, start things off slow. They brawl. I think think it was Cody that exposed the turnbuckle. And poor Dustin cut himself so badly to the point where he was gushing blood. And I thought, hang on a second, hang on a second. Earl Hebner, referee, yo, man, get a towel. You don't have to pause the match, but just get a towel and wipe Dustin down. Because it really looked like Dustin couldn't see. And he was losing a whole lot of blood. And we don't have a medical update at this time right now. I'll keep the Twitter machine open in case something pops up. But, my God, he was gushing blood. And I got a little nervous because I'm just like, oh, my God. This, these, these poor guys finally are having the match that they wanted to have in WWE. The match that WWE said was not big enough for WrestleMania, even though the crowd was going absolutely bonkers for this from the jump. And here's Dustin just bleeding and bleeding and bleeding. But kudos to him. Kudos to Cody. They got through it. They made it a part of the match. Uh, they, they they didn't chant at Dustin, you still got it. They chanted, you never lost it. And this match got so good, so many counters, cross-roading each other. Uh, I, I believe uh, Dustin hit a code red at one point. Uh, I mean, it, it was great. So many near falls. And, and Jim Ross, you know, say we want about him and some of the other matches he called. He told a great story here. Uh, you know, they talked about, oh, what, what would Dusty say if he was here? You know, would he be enjoying this? And Jim Ross is like, I'd like to think that Dusty would be distraught. I'd like to think that the Dream would not want to see this. And they were calling it like a fight. And, and, and you know, you, Jim Ross was like, this is not worth it. And, and Excalibur was saying to you, like, this man's 50 years old. You know, if he injures his shoulder, in reference to Dustin, if he injures his shoulder, you know, if, if, he, if he injures his knee, if he's, if he's gone, that could be the end for him. Is he going to have one last ride? It was just so good. And it got to the point where Cody Rhodes turned himself heel to some extent. And I feel like the crowd really wanted Dustin to win. I kind of wanted him to win at the end. I'm like, my God, this guy is fighting through everything. And there was a moment where he was in a submission. I don't remember if it was a figure four or what, but they got a close-up of Dustin Rhodes, and it was the closest thing you're going to see in modern day to Steve Austin versus Bret Hart from WrestleMania 13, where Austin's like, ah, and like the blood's coming down his face. Like That was coming down co- uh, Dustin Rhodes' face. It was just amazing. Oh, by the way, when they introduced Dustin Rhodes, a throwback to the WCW and NWA days, they called him the natural Dustin Rhodes. I loved, I got a total kick out of that. And also, too, the heels and baby faces entered in separate tunnels. It was like the impact zone on steroids in a good way. Uh, the old school impact zone, but with a bigger budget and, and cooler looking. So at the end, Cody Rhodes mercifully hit one more crossroads, got the pin. Afterwards, crowd gave everybody a standing ovation. Cody Rhodes got on the mic. And this is a beautiful moment that nearly brought me to tears. And he said that next month at the uh, Fight for the Fallen... Uh, I have a, I think it's Fight for a Fallen, uh, at AEW's next event, I have a tag team match against the, the best tag team in the world, the Young Bucks. And next, I don't need a friend. I don't need a partner. And he starts choking up and he goes, I need a brother. And they, they give each other a, a big hug. Crowd pops huge. They leave together. Just an absolutely beautiful moment i mean i mean for real for real man and and 
again, nothing against high flying and that stuff because I love athleticism and all that jazz. But at the end of the day, okay, when it comes to some of the top programs in the business, no matter what company it is, fans need stories. Fans need some logic. Okay, these men didn't just tell a story; they put on a clinic, a psychological clinic. They took you on a roller coaster ride, and it was it was beautiful. It was beautiful. I don't know what else to say. It was, it was beautiful. It didn't matter that this guy did a, a freaking 450 splash before. It didn't matter that you know that one guy landed on his head and, and did this, this crazy crap. No, no, no. These guys told the story, and the story resonated, brother versus brother. You know, Dustin being the last remnant of the Attitude Era, a forgotten era, you know, a, an era that Cody wants forgotten. Two brothers who always fought for their father's affection, you know, consider themselves a favorite son. I mean, it's just such a simple story. But beautifully told, and yeah, I guess we're getting Cody and, and Dustin against the Young Bucks, and this was just phenomenal. This was just absolutely, absolutely phenomenal. If you haven't seen this, I 100, 110 percent recommend the recommend this match. It was just, it was great. It, it was, it was great. By the way, I want to shout out everybody that's currently watching live right now. You can also check this out. On demand on YouTube, on Facebook.com slash the Sports Courier. And we'll be uploading this later on SoundCloud and all our podcast platforms. So thank you guys very much for that. Let's get to some comments here. Alan Wu. Uh, we crowned another champ tonight away from the ring. Congratulations to the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, that was crazy. The Raptors got to the NBA Finals the same night as Double or Nothing. That was nuts. Well, t- when two Canadians headlined Double or Nothing. Uh, think of that. JD123, Dean Ambrose debut. Yep, he debuted at the end of the Jericho versus Omega match. Faceman Buddha says, What up, Rachani? Sup, my man? Excellent show. He, he said, The Rhodes match, most emotion and best storytelling. And he actually liked the Lucha Brothers versus Young Bucks best. Bill Romanowski, the football player? Uh, Gold Dust match was better than anything at Mania this year. He was bleeding like a horse. Charles Sober, Jun- Sober Jr. says, What the hell, Moxley showed up? I was screaming. King NB4 says, Such a great pay-per-view. WWE, better worry about the future. Okay, Nawaz says, She differs Awesome Kong from last year was a bloody epic. Oh, man, I'm going to have to check that out then. By the way, if y'all are familiar with all involved in the Joshi match, please feel free to tweet me. Comment some links, send me some YouTube links, Daily Motion links, or some links to whatever streaming service they're on. I would love to check them out, and support them because they totally impressed me tonight. And by the way, the fact that the fact that we had uh, Yoshima's team, the fact that we had you know women from so many different backgrounds and, and, and the Joshi match and everything else, I loved it. It was variety is great, and when you get variety that's actually good and delivers in the ring, even better. And up to this point with Cody Rhodes and Dustin Rhodes, I got to say, I saw a tweet, and I don't remember who said it, but and actually a few people said this on Twitter. This reminded him of a WCW 90, late 96, 97 pay-per-view, but a good one. And I'll tell you why, because you know WCW these days kind of has a negative connotation. When WCW was at its peak or starting to peak, what I loved as a kid... Okay, who didn't read The Observer? Who the only thing we read was maybe some PWI, you know, Pro Wrestling Illustrated magazines that were all kayfabe and in the supermarket while mom was shopping and everything. What I loved is learning about all these different stars, you know, these guys from China, these guys from Japan, you know, uh, the, 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 these athletic women, and, and just there's so much variety. I can only imagine, I mean, I don't know how many kids actually watched this show. This show wasn't obviously, you know, that much geared towards kids, but I can imagine when come TNT time, if they continue this approach where they have variety, but good variety and a mix of athleticism and great storytelling that, you know, who knows? It could inspire another generation of wrestling fans like myself back in the day with WCW when I saw Rey Mysterio, when I saw Dean Malenko. Yeah, when I was growing up, I loved Sting. You know, I loved Bill Goldberg. You know, I loved the NWO, but I also gained so much respect, even at a young age in elementary school, for the likes of Dean Malenko, for Juventud Guerrera, for Psychosis, for, uh, for all those guys. I mean, how I even like Lash LaRue. I mean, you mean the Filthy Animals, Billy Kidman. I mean, that time period was just so special and it was just such a stacked roster. And I, I did get vibes following that Rhodes versus Rhodes match. And man, this company has that kind of potential, at least for me talent and storytelling standpoint who the hell knows what happens with the economy and you know day to be trying to intervene you know now that they have real competition but i was getting that those vibes man it was it was beautiful it was absolutely freaking beautiful whoo man like that, that that was that was emotional that was great 
We had Jack Whitehall introduce a legend who was presenting the AEW world title to showcase it for fans worldwide. And I'm not really familiar with, with, with Jack Whitehall, but he was fantastic at ring announcing. And I like Justin Roberts a lot. He was a ring announcer tonight for the most part. He was great. But, man, Whitehall just rocked that damn mic. Holy crap. And to my surprise, and I screamed at my TV when I heard this, he introduces the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be, Brett Hitman Hart. And I'm like, Brett Hart? Like, the guy who just went to the Hall of Fame for the second time? Holy crap! So Bret Hart comes out, introduces Hangman Adam Page, hypes up the AW World title. He flubbed his words a little bit, and the poor guy was like finding it really hard to walk to the ring, but let's give him credit. I mean, listen, he got speared by some crazy mofo uh, just a couple months ago. Uh, he's a stroke survivor, and he's, he's over the age of 60, so God bless him for you know being able to move as well as he does, and you know, I think he still he still looks good for his age, and and I'll say this: the crowd was incredibly respectful because some other crowds, you would have some pricks in the audience go, you know, you effed up, you effed up, and but 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 no no, he flubbed his words. He's like, sorry guys, it's been a while, and the crowd cheered for him. They were incredibly respectful of, of Bret Hart, and that, that's great. Respect your legends, kids. So Hangman Page comes out, and then MJF Maxwell Jacob Friedman comes out, dissing everybody. <laughs> And I'm, I can't do this promo justice. I encourage you guys to seek it out. But essentially, he, he said he deserves to be in the AEW World Title match. He, he he's the the real best serve, best serve was, best serve will be. And then he crap no. Then he craps on Bret Hart afterwards. Says no no no. I we need a new catchphrase. And he was so good on the mic here that Bret Hart couldn't help but crack up. I mean, it was like a huge grin. And Bret Hart broke character. It was awesome. And, and that was all the endorsement NJF needed. When you when you could crack Bret Hart on live TV, I mean. You got something. And I got to tell you, this kid has something because not only does he look good, he wrestles well, he doesn't take a lot of stupid risks, you know, he doesn't need to, and, and he's just, he is phenomenal on the mic. I mean, he really is. And yeah, at first glance, you might say, okay, this guy looks like the love child of The Miz and Alberto Del Rio. But let me tell you something, okay? He's better at 23, I think he's 23, than The Miz ever was. I don't even know if The Miz was wrestling at 23. And on top, and I, and I love Miz. And on top of that, he's a he's already a better Alberto Del Rio than Alberto Del Rio, if you even want to compare the two. And Alberto's a hell of a worker himself. But And MJF obviously has a long way to go as far as you know, getting, you know, getting better in the ring. But for where he's at at 23 or 24, whatever he is, early mid-20s, I mean, the kid absolutely has something. So don't let looks deceive you if you've only seen him online in short clips. He hit a home run with this promo. And afterwards, Jungle Boy, Jimmy Havoc, and others in the Battle Royal attacked him. Hangman Adam Page took him out. Bret Hart posted the belt and raised it up in the air. And yeah, great, great segment. This is how you use a legend. You have him come out. You know what it was? It was the Antichrist of the 24-7 title introduction with uh, McFoley. Poor McFoley. This guy literally broke his damn back for WWE and Vince McMahon. Literally. Damn near killed himself, okay? Yeah, he got paid, but the damage he's done to his body and his freaking brain cells can never be repaired. And they wheel out this poor guy. First, he was a GM and got berated every single week by Seth McMahon. He's, he's on hiatus for a while. You finally bring him back after like a year or two. And you have him out there introducing that ugly ass 24-7 championship. Are you kidding me? Meanwhile, AEW has Bret Hart introduce this beautiful, gorgeous, big belt. Kind of, I think it's a little bit bigger than the IWGP title belt. And I, I thought it looked beautiful. So he introduced that belt, put it over huge. You had uh, a couple young guys in the mix, a Hangman Page and MJF and Jungle Boy. They all got the rub. They all got the shine from the legend Bret Hart. And yeah, home run of a segment, man. This this was awesome. And just when I thought this couldn't get more awesome, we had the Young Bucks versus Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix, the Lucha Brothers for the AAA Lucha Libre Tag Team titles. Nonstop action. Absolutely crazy. Absolutely insane. We had the Meltzer driver, more bang for your buck, moonsaults, dives, apron bumps. I mean, this is everything you could expect from these two teams and more. And if I have only one critique, 
it's it's really just the same critique I always have for some of these young Bucks matches. It's just and Lucha Brothers matches too. Just take it easy. I know it's high risk, high reward, uh, but you know, as somebody that generally cares for these wrestlers and wants to see them live happy lives and healthy lives, uh, you know, just take it a little easy. But th- this match, this match was great, and uh, N- Nick and Matt hit the Meltzer driver to retain the tag team titles, which was a bit of a surprise to me because I thought the Lucha Brothers would pick them back up. But hey, I guess there's always uh, time for a rematch. And my God, a part of me wants to see a rematch, a part of me doesn't for the sake of their health, but. You know, these guys always bring it, and you can you can never say that these four men don't give it 110% every night in, and my God, they were great. So then we have Jericho versus Omega 2. Uh, Jericho's uh, entrance had some callbacks to his past uh, DDB gimmicks. You know, lights turned off, light up jacket, lights turned off, you know, break the walls down, lights turned off. It looked like he was going to come out, you know, in, in a, you know, nostalgia, as nostalgia Jericho, but nope. He came out as, you know, the dark, angry Chris Jericho, you know, to the uh, Judas theme song. Kenny Omega came out, got a big ovation. Uh, as far as the theme music, uh, I don't know if it's anything that I heard tonight that would be like to write home about. You know, if it was on Spotify, I wouldn't be like, oh, my God, you got to go download it and put it in your playlist. But it was good. You know what? That aspect actually was kind of WCW-ish, but it, they weren't really rip, it, they weren't really rip-off themes. They were decent. I mean, other than, you know, Judas, which is... Chris Jericho's song from Fozzie, his own band. You know, the rest of the stuff, I don't want to say it was generic. It was it was fine. Like it it was perfectly fine. I didn't think it was good, great. I didn't think it was terrible. It was it was it was, it was perfectly fine. Hopefully, come time for uh, you know the AW TV show, they'll have some real theme music. Maybe they'll be able to license some stuff, but a, a promising start. If they're if they have an in-house uh, music composer already, a very promising start. So these guys went at it. This was a rough match and I mean that in a, in a good way. This is a hell of a match, a hell of an effort. Uh, Kenny Omega got busted open. I think he may have broken his nose or at least busted up his nose. Early on in the match, they used a, a table where Kenny Omega did a foot stomp onto the table, onto Jericho on the outside, very similar to some of his matches in New Japan where they used those skinny Japanese tables that have no give. This one seemed to have a little bit more give. Uh, there was a point where Chris Jericho back body dropped Kenny Omega from the ring, Onto the outside, through the damn table. That looked like it hurt. Uh, Kenny did did his usual dives, which were nuts. Uh, Jericho hit a lion salt where he didn't get all of it. It looked like he almost landed on Kenny's head. He tried another one where Kenny just barely went down for it. I mean, these guys left it all in the ring. And uh, a lot of near falls. I thought the first match was a little bit better. Besides the novelty, I just think... It was it was a great match, but uh, you know, and, and I'm not, I don't want to fault the guys necessarily, but by the time they wrapped up the match, it was 11:40 p.m. Eastern time, and the show had been on since 7 p.m. And I'd imagine a majority of the fans got into the building around 6 or 6:30, so the, I mean, that's quite a long time. And you know, whether it's WWE, whether it's AEW, whether it's ROH, you know, I don't think most fans want to be watching a show live or on pay per view uh, till midnight, but. I got to say, in comparison to, say, you know, Ring of Honor with MSG or, you know, WWE shows, this show did, once it got going on the pay-per-view, flow a lot better than, than other shows. But as a general rule, I think 11 o'clock, maybe 11.30 should stop it. But, look, the live crowd was still excited. Uh, the live crowd enjoyed the match. I, I do think it just if it, if it had gone home, if the match ended maybe five minutes earlier, it would have been better. But this is this is a great match. And... Jericho ended up hitting his new finisher, the spinning elbow, very reminiscent of John Jones, although a little bit slower, called the Judas Effect, pinned Kenny Omega clean. One, two, three. And then Jericho, ever the master he is on the mic, grabs the mic, said, he's, what did he say? He said, you all should thank me, okay? And, and I told everybody when I beat Kenny Omega, and by the skin of my teeth I did, and I love the fact that he actually slightly, subtly, Put over Kenny Omega, which is great. Okay, you don't want to crap on the guy you just beat because if you crap on him, who'd you really beat, huh? You mean you want to put over your opponent? So he did do that, and he said, and he said, you know, I deserve a thank you from AEW, and I deserve a thank you from all of you. And by the way, Jericho with the win will face Hangman Adam Page for the World Heavyweight Championship, which actually I love because if Jericho wins, that's a win for him. And AEW because you get a, a marquee world champion, and you get a guy 
who can eventually put over Hangman Adam Page. And, and Hangman Adam Page is a win for him either way. He beats Chris Jericho the, you know, for the world title. Boom. Immediately you make a star. If he loses to Chris Jericho but barely loses to him and he looks great in a losing effort, you have a story there and you can build him up over the course of three to six months to eventually win the world title and give that young baby face some adversity to overcome, eventually becoming a true main eventer. But he, he asked for a thank you. He didn't get one. And then we had my main man, Dean Ambrose. Actually, sorry, John Moxley. Okay? For Moxie, come down to the ramp. Or I know, he came through the crowd, went near the ramp, inside the ring, hit the dirty deeds on Jericho, hit the dirty deeds elbow arm DDT on the referee. So was going to go for it on Kenny Omega. They started brawling. They brawl all across uh, the, the stage. And then there's a giant poker chip set because this is double or nothing. We're in Vegas here, the MGM Grand. And he hits a dirty freaking deeds on Omega. And then he picks him up for a fireman's carry slam and throws him off the poker chip, off the stage, through the table. Not only was that a phenomenal debut, not only was that a hot closing to what was a great show and what will probably go down as a legendary show down the road, but this was great booking because... Think about it. Kenny Omega, when your top stars, just lost to Chris Jericho. He just lost to Chris Jericho. But he's immediately programmed with the hot, debuting, former WB main eventer, former WWE champion, Dean frickin' Ambrose, John effin' Moxley. I thought that was brilliant. The only, I want to say setback. The only issue I could see occurring here is the following. John Moxley coming in should not lose right away. At the same time, Kenny Omega is going to be a completely new face to a whole lot of wrestling fans or potential wrestling fans or lapsed wrestling fans looking to get back into it come this fall on TNT. And you don't necessarily want to beat Kenny Omega as well. That being said, Kenny Omega is a fantastic professional wrestler. And very much so like Chris Jericho, win, lose, or draw, he always finds a way to keep himself relevant. So for, for if this were WWE, I'd be, I'd be worried because, you know, Kenny Omega could lose to Dean Ambrose and he might lose again and lose again for another six months, you know, or at least lose big matches here and there to the point where he doesn't mean anything anymore. But since this is all elite wrestling, since Kenny Omega is one of the VPs, since very clearly these wrestlers have creative freedom, and luckily for us, it looks like the creative freedom that they do have is in good taste and in the best interest of us, at least for now, uh, I, I think we'll be all right. So overall, before I get to some of the remaining comments and questions here, massive, massive thumbs up for real. And I just, again, back to my original criticism, I hope that the pre-show down the road, the buy-in show can mirror the pay-per-view more. In other words, give me that excitement. Give me some of that storytelling. I know you only got an hour, okay? But I'd rather have one match and a bunch of video packages getting me excited than to have a battle royal with a bunch of comedy and BS where you really don't know who anybody is because, you know, you're a new fan or you haven't, you're not familiar with some of these guys and you try to, essentially try to cram 10 pounds of crap in a five-pound bag. But hey, they redeem themselves in spades. You know, I'm not a gambler, but whatever. It's double or nothing. In spades by the end. And yeah, phenomenal effort. And as far as what they can improve on, well, Jim Ross, I think, will eventually learn some more of these guys' names and, and kind of get better as far as, you know, being familiar with them. Excalibur's already really good, and I think he's only going to get more comfortable. Alex Marvez, my man, uh, you know, you, you might want to raise your voice a little bit when you talk and, and everything else. And. Uh, I guess the good news for you is that you were the third guy in the booth, so it got to the point where we only heard Excalibur and Jim Ross, so uh, you weren't that bad, but uh, I'd prefer that you be uh, a little bit louder and, and be a little more enthusiastic and comfortable on camera, but we'll see what happens. Anyway, massive, massive thumbs up. Congratulations to Tony Khan, All Elite Wrestling, Chris Harrington, and everybody involved. So let's get to some of the comments and questions here. My goodness freaking gracious. Whew. Juan Alberto Garcia says, mistake number one is having the wrestlers in charge of departments and financials. Leave that to the professionals. Well, they're in charge of a lot of creative aspects. And, I mean, Cody Rhodes and Kenny Omega booked their own angles in New Japan. And 
A majority of them were pretty damn good, especially the Bullet Club, br- Club breakup. Excuse me. So I, I, w- I want to give him a chance. And look, Kenny Omega was the one that apparently specifically scattered all the women on the show, or a majority of the women along with Brandy Rhodes. And they all delivered. So I, I can't hate on him there. As far as financials, uh, I believe Chris Harrington is in charge of financials. And he is a genuinely nice guy and, and incredibly knowledgeable with real-world experience, not just in, in pro wrestling. So I, I think they'll be all right there. Plus, uh, Tony Khan's an analytics guy. I think they'll be fine. Uh, what did you think about the pyro? Yeah, we had pyro. That was great. I loved it. Uh, I, I definitely loved the pyro. Joseph Bolton from the UK says, hello. Hello, Joseph Bolton. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's go on the YouTube feed here. Did you think this is better in WrestleMania? Wow. Um, that's a little controversial, but... Hmm. You know what? Yeah. I, 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 in some ways, I think it was. I think WrestleMania... Okay. WrestleMania had, I think, overall better moments. But those, a lot of those moments were might have been better because of the familiarity with like Kofi Kingston and Seth Rollins and all those guys that you've watched on TV for years and years. And Becky Lynch as well. Whereas AEW, this was their first night in. You know, I, I do think that Cody, the Cody and Dustin match and moment was, I mean, as close of what you're going to get to like Kofi and Brian. Actually, not thinking about Brian and Kofi, Okada and Jay White, at least from what I've seen up to this point, I haven't watched Best of Super Juniors uh, yet, anyway. And, and, and Cody Dustin, I think, at least as far as what I've seen, are some of the best matches of the year, you know, in terms of like the major promotions. So it's hard to compare. I mean, WrestleMania was awesome. I think WrestleMania was just really long. Like if WrestleMania was four hours, I think it would have been a great show. By the lowered standards of obnoxiously long WWE shows, I thought it was a great show. So I don't, I don't know. I don't want to totally crap on, on WrestleMania. You know what I mean? It had its crap, but there were a lot. There was a lot of great stuff too. And again, like Seth Rollins and Kofi Kingston, that's an eternal moment. Hard for me to say. But you know what? If you did think this was better in Mania, I mean, honestly, like you got enough moments and matches that 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 your opinion's justified. Kenny C asks, "Did Pac face Hangman?" No, Pac wrestled Hangman uh, in the UK a week pro- a week or two prior. Uh, they weren't able to come to an agreement creatively because I-, I think Pac was supposed to, from what I understand, according to Dave Meltzer, Pac was supposed to beat Hangman, but the issue was not beating Hangman. It was that Pac would eventually have to likely lose to Kenny Omega, and if he's going to be Dragon Gate champion long term, you know you, you probably don't want him losing if you're Dragon Gate. Okay, let's see. CLC Beat says the event was absolutely incredible. I I agree. Pro Wrestling with Juice, what's up, man? Said we had a viewing party and all eight of us felt this is way better than any WWE show we've ever seen. Uh, Mike Maker says when is All In available on Blu-ray? That I don't know, my friends. And actually, uh, before I forget, August thirty-first uh, later this year, Sears Center in the Chicago area, it will be the All In sequel, All Out. Tickets will go on sale June fourteenth. Um, n- no other information is available right now, but. The next major, major AEW show is going to be at the Sears Center in Chicago, Illinois. Um, we also, of course, have uh, Fight for the Fallen. Just, yeah, I mean, look, if it's anything like Double or Nothing, I, I, I mean, I'm excited. I'm, I'm very excited for that. So, okay, so the next AEW show is going to be Fighter Fest, which is a, a play on, uh, you know, the, what is it, the Fire, Fire Festival. And it has uh, Michael Nakazawa against uh, Jabali, who I'm not really familiar familiar with, but they're in a hardcore match. Cody Rhodes against Darby Allen, and the elite Kenny Omega, Matt Jackson, Jackson, the Young Bucks, taking on apparently Pac and the Lucha Brothers. But we'll, we'll see if that still remains. That's on June 29th, and it'll reportedly air on BR Live in the states and probably Fight TV. Although we don't have a price point yet. After that, July 13th, and that sucks because I'm actually going to be out of the country for that for that show, but I'll, I'll eventually catch it. Poor me. I know. First world problems. July 13th is Fight for the Fallen in Jacksonville, which will raise money for uh, gun violence victims, which I think is you know, a, a beautiful cause. And it's Allie, a.k.a. Cherry Bomb, who was on commentary during one of the women's matches, taking on Brandy Rhodes, Kenny Omega versus Shima, and Cody and Dustin Rhodes versus the Young Bucks, which should be one hell of a match. And after that, we get all out at the end of August, August 31st. So, wow. Pretty awesome stuff. And I got to say this, too. 
Okay, and this is for selfish reasons here, okay, because I'm somebody who also works in marketing, and Mondays are always rough for me in the, in the marketing world, and, you know, I know Debbie's always done Sunday shows. I'm not hating on doing Sunday shows, but it's nice. It's a nice change to see All Elite doing Saturday shows. I actually think Saturday's a nice, uh, kind of a nice day, and, you know, you got Sunday to recover and everything else, and it, it's something that makes them stand out. I actually hope that they continue with with Saturday shows, and I actually think right now, this is probably the best time for a wrestling company like AEW to have Saturday shows because UFC pay-per-views now have never been less of a priority to fans. You know, I'm a huge fan, obviously, of MMA, and obviously I cover MMA, so I do order pretty much every show, and I have a subscription to ESPN+, Plus. but let's keep it real here. Half of that pay-per-view audience, even the ones I used to order UFC religiously, even up to this point, are probably gone because not everybody's going to sign up for ESPN+, Plus, and quite frankly, the ESPN+, Plus interface at times leaves a lot to be desired. On top of that, there's not a whole lot of big marquee boxing matches right now. You got one Canelo fight every quarter, one Triple G fight every quarter, and it's on the zone. And while the zone's a great, uh, a great value proposition, you know, twenty bucks a month or hundred for the year to get all these boxing matches, MMA matches. The reality is that also because of the technology and the change of platform is probably cutting at least the, the viewership by a quarter, maybe even as much as half. So where does that leave the, you know other other companies here? I mean. WWE's going to keep doing uh, their their stuff on, on Sundays. They got NXT takeover every quarter on on Saturday. But you know AEW running on Saturday, I think Saturday nights of AEW is actually a good thing. And hey, if you're trying to get some of those lapsed fans back, even though I know they're a lot older now, I mean Saturday night ain't the worst uh, worst night, especially if you watched uh, WCW Saturday night back in the day. All right, Rod Jackson asks, how will they use John Moxley in the next year? That's a good question, my man. I'm not Cody Rhodes. I wouldn't know. Uh, but so far, so good, and I, I don't think he'd be uh, going to AEW if it wasn't for two things, as Jim Ross, Jim Ross would say, uh, cash and creative. And I think he got a lot of cash, and I think he's going to get a whole lot of creative freedom. Rosario Kakusa says, hello, old friend. It was a great show. Yeah, I totally agree, my friend. Uh, just, just an overall excellent, excellent show. We'll get to a few more comments, and I'm going to head on out of here. Okay, Dustin Rhodes said, tweeted, I'm okay, God bless y'all, and from my heart of hearts, the greatest night of my life. Wow. that That's saying something for a vet like Dustin Rhodes, who has literally seen it all, from, from being a part of WCW, NWA, WWE, the Attitude Era, Post-Attitude Era, TNA, all the ups and downs this guy has had in his life, and to have that moment with his brother, man, that's that, Beautiful. I don't want to. I don't want to cry. This is just just beautiful. I'm I'm sorry. I, I love I love a great story. I love a great story. Anyway, folks, I'm gonna get on out of here. But I want to sincerely thank you for watching. I want to sincerely thank you for listening. If you're brand new here, I would encourage you guys to subscribe because not only do we do live recaps like this, but but. We also do exclusive interviews with the likes of Booker T, Bob Backlund, Mark Henry, Diamond Dallas Page, who actually appeared on the show, forgot to mention he carried Brandy Rhodes out of the ring and, and away from the ring uh, during the Cody-Dustin match because she interfered and actually speared Dustin at one point, which was, which was crazy. Uh, we, get, we have a lot of reviews as well, especially game reviews of NBA Live and Madden. You name it, we got it. So if you haven't already subscribed, if you haven't shared this with all your friends, if you haven't enabled notifications, please do. I guarantee you, you won't regret it, and it's completely free. Until then, thank you so much for watching with me. This was a great night for professional wrestling. Thank you, All Elite Wrestling. I wish you all the very best. And as always, everybody, have a good night and enjoy the matches. Wow.